good nights. You know, I, I we've seen them play so far in uh, in conference play, and I know that they beat Baylor on Saturday, but they didn't look like a good basketball team leading up to that Baylor game last Saturday. And we had a text yesterday during the show that said, you watch, Texas will look like a top-five team tonight. And I kind of just laughed it off and said, yeah, that would be unfortunate, that would stink, but I just – I, I don't think that that's going to happen, and God, I, I know his name is Acemus. Miss is in the name. I don't think that he did that last night, man. 22 points, Dylan DeSue, 19 points. You're right, it was a bad night to have a bad night. It was a bad night for Texas to seemingly not be able to miss from beyond the three-point line. Incredibly frustrating, especially when you had a little momentum. You felt like, okay, if you can just get a stop and a bucket, the crowd get back in, and here you go. There was Max Acemus to hit a giant three and quiet the crowd. Well, and part of the problem, Tyler, is Porter likes to use athleticism, right? That's why we went out and got Jalen Moore and Sorez and Darthar and these guys, like, and he likes to get out and run. Owe can run with anybody. McCollum can run with anybody. And so much of our offense, I mean, they saw in the first half, I think we had 14 fast break points in the first half. It's predicated off getting stops. If you can get a stop and get the ball up the floor, then you can get some easy looks at the rim. You can get fouled. You can get some line. Good things happen whenever you're putting pressure on people in transition. The problem is, if you're pulling the ball out of the basket every time, you can't get those transition looks, and it gets you into primarily set pieces. Well, the set pieces are, are a problem, and we'll get to that, but that's why it looked even worse in the second half, because not only when Texas scores, they get points, naturally, but it it really throws a wrench in what you try and do to generate some offense. So yeah. every yeah. time, you like you said, every time there was a big three, I mean – Texas really shot the ball well from deep. I mean, 44%, over 44%, 8 of 18 from behind. I mean, Disu, the guy who sits in the chair, for those of you that uh, were watching uh, or listening to Fran Fraschilla, um, him and uh, and Max, I mean, they combined to go 6 of 11 for 3. And you got a guy in uh, in Kendall Weaver, the, uh, 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 let's just say, the, the the man that had the very large forehead. Those, yeah, you know I already dislike about. him. I'm like, this guy really is getting offensive rebounds? Are you serious? I was guy very av- frustrated with him last night. The guy averages less than four points a game. And put up 11, constantly got to the bucket, caught our guys sleeping. I mean, there was one possession that he had two offensive rebounds on the same possession, and he's six foot three, Tyler. Like, that is not just... That's not them being better than you. That's having more effort or maybe just more energy. Our guys looked gassed in the second half, didn't they? Yeah, they really did. And, and Porter said as much uh, in the postgame press conference last night. He, um, I mean, he's always animated, but that's as frustrating. I don't know if I've ever seen a postgame press conference, right, in front of the media where Porter has sounded more frustrated than what he sounded like last night. He's like, I worked my ass off to get the people here, and that's on us, and we didn't do it. And I think that that's, I mean, that's exactly what it was. Like, he was he was disappointed that his team didn't do more for the people that, that, that showed up last night. He said it was a missed opportunity, and I, I think that that's, that's right, man. It just, all around, it felt like a missed opportunity. It felt like a missed opportunity for the crowd that you had and a missed opportunity to go, what, 4-2 and two in conference? Really put yourself ahead of the chains in terms of you know being where you want to be going into the month of February, and 
Now all of a sudden, and it's a winnable game on Saturday, but you're going to have to play a lot better. This this Tech game seems pretty massive coming up in the LNC this weekend. Oh, it absolutely does. Every You've got to win the home games. And that was our first loss at home. And, again, just a little a little bit of a reset. We still don't have, like, that ugly loss. And, luckily, in the Big 12, as tough as it is, you're not going to really have any oppor- many opportunities for ugly loss. Now, I'll tell you what. Porter better beat Oklahoma State. Yes. He better beat Oklahoma yes. State. And, and, because... and probably twice, dude, not just not just once. Right. They're bad. So, I mean, in this league, you've got, like you said, West Virginia beats Texas, UCF beats Kansas. You know, like, all these weird, like, when you look at it and just say, oh, unranked Texas, unranked in basketball means something completely different than unranked in football. Like, these are such fluid rankings. Texas has spent most of the season ranked. They're going to be ranked next week after two top 11 wins in the same see, like in the same week. So, like, in the Big 12, you're going to have these games. But that was our worst loss to Texas in a while. I think the worst of Porter's, um, at least Porter's career against Texas, if I'm not mistaken. And, and it felt like it. It really, really felt like it on national television to get out there and look out-coached outmanned uh it it just it's not a good look yeah it's not uh LaDonna from Lubbock on the text line says I'll say it again I'm sorry I'm over the fair weather Sooner fans my son called me last night after leaving the game and said he was so mad we lost I told him listen I'm all in win or lose with our Sooners if you weren't you should have stayed here save me some money and been a Red Raider we're gonna beat Tech and I pray the crowds keep showing up Boy, I could just hear how stern LaDonna was in that phone call last night to her son. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well done, well done, LaDonna. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It's, we've talked about this before. Oklahoma fans in general, and this is not an insult. This is not talking down to, like, I think this is just a matter of fact, Tyler. Football built this fan base into, like, it just is what it is. So there are a lot of Oklahoma fans that grew up rooting for watching national title games, watching their team win, whether that was football, basketball, baseball, whatever. But they largely watched football win and win in historic fashion at a historic clip. So you transfer that over to basketball, and A, they expect to root on a a contender, a champion. Maybe we need to have a discussion about what expectations are, what what's healthy expectations for the job at OU. But but also, like I said, the unranked thing. The ugh, Porter can't be the guy. Tyler, we're going to be ranked in the top 15 at the end of the week, most likely, if we take care of business against Texas Tech. And we're going to be in the upper half of the Big 12. We're going to be, you know, in the upper half of the tournament bracket at the time. Like, if that's not acceptable at Oklahoma, then I want to know who you'll go get that will come in and come to an old arena with with no new arena on the horizon to a, a fan base that sells out once a year or twice a year. And, again, that's not trying to diss the fans at all. I'm just saying it's it's tough. You're not going to go out and, and pry Bill Self away from Kansas. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to get your pick of the litter. Yeah, and I don't think that this is what you're saying. I don't think the LNC was the reason that they lost last night. And, and I no. don't think that that's – yeah, that's not what you're saying. Like, I think the arena discussion and last night's game are two totally separate discussions to have. Like, the arena was fine enough last night. And the arena oh, would have been awesome if this team would – you know, there's so many 
shots last night, man. Felt like they hung on the rim. They're like so close to going down. Like the crowd was ready to make a difference, and the crowd would have been a difference if this team would have played better. But yeah, it's it just you and, feel and, and, and you, the people reason, are feeling it for OU basketball today, and the feeling today is just really upset and disappointed. Yeah, I mean the feeling that we had after the road win at Cincinnati. I mean that was a big win. It was a it was a good win. Cincinnati's a, a really tough at home, and the reason I brought up I don't want I don't want to you know be misunderstood here um the, the reason i brought up the arena is when when there's a job opening opening oklahoma football josie's got a list of pretty much you know anybody in the country who he wants to call and say hey you want to come coach the blue blood it's my thing is people that want porter fired like what's like josie doesn't have that list of names of anybody in the country and they're going to drop whatever they're doing and come interview at Oklahoma. It's just, again, it's just a, it's just different. The programs are foundationally different. Now, basketball's got a lot of really good history, of course. I mean, basketball's more successful than people give it credit for over time. We just don't have that elusive title to, to be able yeah, to say it's, it. It's the best, it's the most successful, best program, whatever, with, that doesn't have a national championship in college hoops. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And my Vikings are the best uh, program in the NFL to not have a Super Bowl. So who? Lucky me. <laughs> yeah. It, it's but an yeah, honor, I think, isn't it? But I, yeah, it's great. But I think that's why, that's why I bring up the arena. I, I, I don't want it, I don't want it to be misunderstood that I thought the arena was the issue or anything like that. Like it's the, the LNC was great. The crowd was great. They were talking about it on the national broadcast. When Jalen Moore was, was back to back dunks, I mean, the place was, Absolutely rock. You could tell on television it was rocking. I thought so, that was going to be honestly, man. At the time, I thought, okay, that's going to be the moment that we're going to go back and say that's when that's what changed things around. Because I think OU was down like six twenty to fourteen. Offense was hard to come by, and you're talking about it's hard to get in transition when they're making baskets. Well, you finally got on a run there because of Jalen Moore throwing down two thunderous dunks. I thought that was going to be when it changed because they started to get stops, started to get transition, points on the other ends, and, yeah, unfortunately, Jalen Moore had a couple of nice moments, but it wasn't the giant turning point I thought it was going to be. So, Yeah, there were a couple, couple of three-pointers that, e- even early in the second half, like, they were dropping for Texas, but if you could hold serve, like, it would keep you in it mentally, but I think... After all that, you know, emotion gets out of you, and and Godwin really had a tough matchup, tough night. He's had a, about three games in a row that he's had a really tough time. But you know, John Hughley gets in there, and I'm not, I don't know if he can play all 20 minutes in the second half. You know what I mean? So you just end up getting gassed, and it feels like an avalanche on top of you every time you turn around. Texas is getting an offensive rebound, kicking it out, open three, they hit it, and you get open looks, and they rim out, or you get, you know. A, a travel call that's missed turns into a 40 foot three point shot for, you know, Max Azemus. Like, it's just every body blow that OU could take. And they finally just fell down on the mat with about 10 minutes left in the game. Yeah, Texas shot 50% from the field, 8 of 18 from three, 44%, 50% from the field. OU just 4 of 19 from three point range at home. Disappointing for sure, but we'll talk about it today. What are your big concerns here moving forward? What do you think about things here moving forward? How can OU salvage the season? Not that the season ain't over. 
season's not over by any stretch. You still got a, long, a lot of games left to play, and still, this team is still capable of doing something fun and, um, and special, but they got to be a lot better than what they were last night for sure. 405-651-3439. Let us know on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I'm at Brown O'Haver today where you do not have to accept what the insurance company has offered you. That's right. If you've experienced a loss from fire, theft, tornado, or water, you need to call Brown O'Haver. They routinely get clients 30 to 40% more money over than doing it on your own. 405-735-5510. That's 405-735-5510. John Whitson from Brown O'Haver will join us for the remainder of the show. We'll talk OU hoops. Jim Harbaugh is he off to the NFL. And, of course, some OU football as well right here on The Ref. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, John Whitson, co-host of the Boomer Bevo podcast, and with Brown O'Haver joins us for the remainder of the show. I felt bad for uh, my guy John last night because, well, a lot of OU fans were at the LNC uh, last night, and they had to walk out of there with a loss. But John had to do it while sitting next to a Texas fan who is also the co-host of the podcast that he's on. That's that's equally not as fun. Mm. Uh, Tyler, I've, um, I've often talked about how reasonable Kevin is, how he's such a good guy, how he is, uh, is as classy a Texas fan, if such a thing is even possible. But last night he was absolutely ridiculous. Really? I couldn't oh. stand it. Kevin? Sm- oh, he was getting all fired Jeez. up. You know, kidding plays out there, making plays, and, and I just couldn't even understand what was happening. And Kevin was so fired up by it. Um, I couldn't do it. And then, with like a minute and 50 seconds left, Rodney Terry wanted a replay of some stupid call at the end. And I'm like, I'm done. I can't. Normally, I stay to the end. I stay to the bitter end. I support the team. But when Rodney Terry's asking for a stupid replay call, I was out. I was done. I was so mad. I was mad at the team. Uh, Porter Mosier's apology, while accepted, still does not assuage my emotional state right now. Well, uh, do we know for sure, Travis, if Rodney Terry was doing cartwheels or jumping jacks or anything on the floor after the win, after he said that that's not what they do at Texas last night? Well, we, we took that opportunity away by not making it a game at the end because you know he would have. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, I'm glad, you know, we brought up Rodney Terry because, you know, if you go back and look after they lost at UCF and how his fan base, you know, especially on social media, wanted him fired. He's not the guy. This, that, and the other. And then they reel off two top eleven wins. Like I think Rodney Terry is an interesting kind of tale of how quickly your fortunes can change, whether good or bad, as a coach in the Big Twelve. Uh, Gunny says that John, he's on my favorite podcast about the best rivalry in all of college sports. Dude. So. I'm sorry, I cannot listen to the next episode that comes, oh, that comes we're, out of the dude, we're record, podcast. We're recording tonight, and I don't know how I'm going to do it. It's uh, It was bad enough having to record episodes with Texas in the college football playoff. At least we beat them this year in football, right, in a great game. Uh, I was so excited to go to this game. I felt like I felt like we're playing well. We've got some momentum. We just come off this big road win. Everything's moving in the right direction. And I got to tell you, for the first seven minutes of that game, we laid an egg. We bounced back. Here's, and here was my thought at halftime. My thought at halftime was, well, maybe we're so good that we can play like total crap for half and half and still be in the lead. Like that was my thought at halftime because we did not have a good first half. And somehow we found ourselves in the lead. And then in the second half, 
just for the last 11 minutes to only score six points. It was bad. It's just so bad, and it's so disappointed. And, um, yeah, man, I'm just frustrated. I think there's a lot of factors there. But uh, at the end of the day, it just sucks to lose to Texas, no matter what the sport is. Yeah, now Porter's 0-5 against Texas, 1-4 against Oklahoma State. And like Travis said last segment, can't lose to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's a bad basketball team. They lost again last night. They lost at home to TCU. OSU is below 500 overall, 0-6 in conference play. And Boynton hasn't done a lot of great things here recently, but he's been able to beat OU. That cannot be the case this year. Cannot be the case this year. Hey, 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 Travis, I heard you kind of defending Porter Mosier um, and talking about who else could we go get and be careful with that conversation because it's the devil you know type thing. But what happens, and I don't want to put this on us, but what happens with a loss to Oklahoma State? Does your tune change on that? Um, it, it depends on how the rest of the season plays out. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want a situation where we're, you know, a top three or four team in the best conference in basketball, and you lose to Oklahoma State, and you say, "All right, Porter's not the guy," and 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 you get rid of him. And my point in defending Porter, it, I'll defend Porter absolutely, but I think my point there was more so contrasting football in Oklahoma as as the programs are at Oklahoma. Like it's it's not as it's not as easy as. Oh well, we're a blue blood. We'll just go hire whoever the heck we want because this is Oklahoma. I realize that you shouldn't lower your standards, but again, I think there there needs to be a, a healthy discussion, even if it's an internal, you know, dialogue that people have with themselves of what their year in year out expectations are for Oklahoma basketball. Well, I got to tell you, year in year out expectations in Oklahoma, at a minimum, which I think we can all agree, is to make the tournament. I don't yeah, think that's I, unre- I don't think that's unrealistic at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, There's a lot of history to prove that that's a very that's a very doable thing year in and year out. You're asking a, to be to be one of 68. We're asking to be yeah. one of 68. And okay. and when you talk about like where we're we're positioned in the world of college basketball, I I agree we're we're outside of blue blood status. All of that that makes sense. Top 20 jobs. We're about to go to the SEC. There's going to be a commitment to there's going to be a commitment to facilities. There's going to be ramped up exposure on ESPN. All of those things, I, dude, we got to make the tournament, man. Yeah, and I, I love yes. Porter. As far as a defender of Porter, I've met that guy one time in my life, and I came away super impressed. I I want the guy to be so successful, but we got to make the tournament. I, and I agree oh, with it, that. It, they they yeah, are in very much position to do so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it would take a pretty nice collapse to not make the tournament but for the dude, rest of the year. Dude, look at the last, not just under Porter, but under Lawn. Yeah, we've seen this, right? This story's played out where we have a tremendous, you know, pre-conference season, and it's and maybe I'm just oh, you fan that's kind of like, you know, no, I get it. I mean, you're 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 you, you've seen a collapse snake, happen snake before, yeah, yeah this time right of now. the year, and you're concerned that okay, this is the start of that happening again. I totally agree about the tournament. You're asking to be one of sixty-eight. Yeah, I agree. Um, something I agree. I, I, they're in, they're still in really good position. Like last night's loss sucks, it man. Just sucks. It, it just it just sucks all the momentum and all the fun that you had for this season. But they're still in really good position, at Agreed. least right now, Travis, to to make the dance. And I will be highly, highly, highly disappointed if that doesn't happen. And then, yeah, maybe a conversation needs to happen. But there oh. are, there are ways off from that. Yeah, I will absolutely be all in on having the conversation about Porter if we miss the tournament this year. Like, don't get it twisted. I just, I just don't think it's a situation like, I mean, Tyler, you and I talked about it last week. Like, 
expectations. Expectations change. When you when you succeed early, then you're like, okay, I want to be a you know a top six seed. Tyler, I forget. Did you say eight or six? I forget what what you said uh, six, last week. Six. Yes. Okay. So our expectations had changed to now being a top six seed. We've gone from at minimum make the tournament at Oklahoma. Now we're like, okay, it'll feel disappointing if it's not a top six seed. So I do think there needs to be, I don't know, maybe there doesn't need to be, but I think there should be some type of credit as raising those expectations with your performance early in the year and making a top six seed the new expectation on the season. If 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 we had gone through kind of if we had fumbled, you know, early in the season, we we looked already on Lunardi's brackets and said, "Oh, we're a first four in or a first four out type situation, last four in or first four out." Then absolutely, let's keep having this conversation. But right now we're 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 talking about which like mid-tier seed in the tournament we're going to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I said uh, today, John, that that's the most disappointed I felt from a regular season loss in, in a while, maybe since Buddy Hill was on campus, well, maybe okay. since Trey Young was, was on I campus. I was going to say probably since any game Trey Young lost. Yeah, well, and I'm feeling that on the text line as well, but yeah. I can I, I, I can see I can see why the disappointment is there. I think it's really easy to see. There's so many factors, the way that they played, the way that Texas had been playing. We'd been making fun of them for a week after the whole horns down thing. You thought you're going to have a chance to rub it in their face a little bit, but more than anything, and, and Travis mentioned this last segment, and I saw it on social media, and I agree. It's, you know, last year you beat Alabama in dominant fashion, and there was a good crowd that day, but, man, they all showed up that next home game against Oklahoma State. Here we go. Big win, momentum, let's get back in this thing, and you didn't give anyone really anything to cheer about, and you lost at home. And it's kind of like that last night, and I think that's a big reason for the disappointment is people just showed up there ready ready to be loud, rub it in Texas' face, ready to be a difference. And outside of, like, what, an eight-minute stretch in the first half, you just weren't able to do that well, last yeah, night. Well, yeah, and it was. It was and it was an intensity level for me. That's what, That was the thing that I picked up on. Texas's intensity level was, was on from the tip to the end of the game. And it was like our guys were lethargic, and it, it was so – that's so counterintuitive – because this has to be the biggest crowd that any of these guys have played on in front of Oklahoma, at least this year. Sure. Um, and so it was really – the intensity level was there uh, from Texas. You could see it on the defensive end. Every shot was contested. Um, it was – I don't know, man. It was just a lot to take in. I guess what frustrates me uh, as an Oklahoma fan is the – and I appreciate Porter apologizing. I wish he didn't have to apologize, but I appreciate the apology – but it's like, well, they're not winning because, you know, we don't have the, we don't have a stadium. We don't have support from the fans. We don't have this. We don't have, well, last night, that's as good an environment as you're going to get. I don't care what situation. For 6 p.m. on a Tuesday night. For like, 6 p.m. on a Tuesday night, it was good, a sold man. out, it was a sold out place. People were fired up and ready and they just laid an egg and it's like, oh, here we go again. And I, I don't think it's that case. But, man, I hope it isn't. 580 on the text line says, if they lose to Texas at the end of the year, do you keep Porter 0-6 against Texas is, is unacceptable. I don't think Porter's job is going to solely depend on if they win in Austin or not. 0-6 against Texas, is that unacceptable? Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, Porter's situation is going to depend more on how the rest of the season goes and what happens in the NCAA tournament if they get there, Travis. Not, to me, solely what happens against UT. Right, and that's it, it kind of – 
you know, harkens back to the question about Oklahoma State, right? It's like, show me how the rest of the year goes, right? Like, if Texas by then, say they play, say they just shoot 50% from now on and 44% from three, and that's just what they do now, like, and they, and you can gain ground easily in the Big 12 as far as the AP poll goes because you're going to have so many good opponents, right? Like, you have, what other opportunity, what other conference has opportunity to get multiple top 10 wins in a week, right? Like, almost every week it feels like these days. So, say in that scenario, Texas is a top 10 team when we see him at the end of the year, and we're saying that if Porter doesn't beat a top 10 Texas on the road, then he's fired. I, I, I don't think that's necessarily realistic. Uh, what I just think it's got to be the body of work. And if it's a situation where we said, hey, look, Porter's got to show imp- improvement in year three. We've got to at least make the tournament. If we don't make the tournament, then like it's, it's time probably to maybe start looking at other directions. If we end up being a seven seed, then I look at it as, no, it's that that's that's great improvement, and he's got two freshmen, top hundred guys. He's got two sophomores that were top hundred guys. He's got his guys now, and he's recruiting well. I, I just think, look, the crowd was great last night. Nothing about the LNC lost us the game last night. Texas making everything and Oklahoma missing everything is really what costs the game. That Oklahoma State game last year, though, guys, I think it's worse, only because. If you remember, there was like a winter storm that day. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they let everybody in for free, including our neighbors that wear orange. So in that crowd, you had a large percentage of Oklahoma State fans that got in for free. So not only were you filled up, and actually probably over capacity, I think we're past the statute of limitations for the fire marshal, but I think we were over capacity there. And there were a lot of OSU fans, and when that team came out flat, the OSU fans let everybody have it. So as far as wasted opportunity, that one feels worse. But but yeah, I mean it's it's not good that you're that we're comparing them at all. That means that something bad happened. Uh, some wins age really nicely, John. Uh, uh, some losses age terribly, and this is just goes to. What I think of Texas, like Max Acemus is really good. Dylan DeSue um, is is really good. I still don't think that there's some great basketball team. So I feel like as bad as I and we feel about this now, they're going to go to BYU and lose on Saturday. Then they're going to lose to Houston at home on Big Monday. Those are two top 25 teams. But they'll go to TCU and lose a week from Saturday, and they'll lose their next three, and you're just going to be like, see, how'd you lose to that team? How'd you lose to that squad? Look, this isn't football. You know, going 0-6 against Texas is not the same as it is in football going 0-6. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of – if we were to go 12-1 and every year and always lose to Texas, I would want our college – I would want our head football coach fired. This isn't the case. I completely agree with Travis in the sense that we need to look at the totality of the season. But for me, we've got some serious games coming up, right? you got Texas Tech at K-State. I don't can't remember the last time we went oh. to K-State. I, it's been tough over U- the past UCF just knocked off this same Texas team. We have them in Orlando. BYU's no joke. Uh, again, aforementioned Oklahoma State, who's had our number, and they are terrible. Uh, Baylor, Kansas, another Oklahoma State team, ranked Iowa State, and then Houston at home. I mean, that is a gauntlet. And so this is like a – this is a kind of that – um, turning point in the season where do we decide were we the team that we were before we played Texas 
or are we this team that was sure. that we saw last night? It, it's a gauntlet and more, you know, there, there'll be high moments. There'll be more disappointing moments moving forward. That's everyone in the Big 12. That's been the case already so far this year. But that's why you look at last night's loss, too, and say, God, you let one slip away. Because when you get an opportunity like that at home with the gauntlet in front of you, you you got to win games like that on your home floor. Typically, you had to be in the top seven of the conference to get in to the to the NCAA. What does that? What changes by having added four? There teams? are ten in the bracketology right now, and Texas wasn't even included. Ten out of so, fourteen. So you might get ten teams in the wow. NCAA you might get eleven this year because Texas yeah, would would be in with that win last night, so they would be in part of the last yeah. four in. You would get eleven. That's insane. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at Brown O'Haver today. I want one of those testimonials when we uh, when we come back here, John. Uh, more to come next right here on The Ref for the home Sooner fans. Brown O'Haver and Moore is where we're hanging out today, 1901 North Moore Avenue. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, John Whitson of Brown O'Haver and the Boomer Bebo podcast joins us for the show today. How about one of those great testimonials that you always have when we're here at Brown O'Haver? Absolutely. We had a, home re- a homeowner reach out to us after a water loss, damaged his kitchen and dining room. He'd already received an estimate from his insurance company for $4,800. Um, he didn't think that was enough. And in addition, his adjuster had stopped reaching out to him. He was having a hard time communicating with the insurance company. Hired us. We inspected the property, found substantial damage to the kitchen that they had missed, uh, got in touch with the insurance company. And we're able to increase their claim by $18,000. Nice. Which is about, uh, I don't know, whatever that number is, four or five times more than they already had. I mean, listen, that's, we've got, we'll have other ones throughout the day, but this is like a typical one. This is something that happens with our clients, you know, week in and week out, getting this much money uh, in, uh, in addition to what they'd already been, you know, promised. So if you're interested, if you're having an issue with your claim, if you know somebody that's having an issue with their claim, you want to call Brown O'Haver, 405-735-5510. We adjust claims for the insured, not the insurance company, and it's our job to get you more money for your claim. 18000 is great. I just feel like that's at the low end of numbers that well, you normally, normally talking, give us. But you know, that was a small claim. But it's a, claim. it's a smaller claim, but it's, you know, water loss, yeah. you know, kitchen, dining room. A lot of people have gone through that this year. Sure. Right? A yep. lot of We've had a lot of... Uh, pipes burst, you know, that sort of thing with some of those cold temperatures. If you're out there struggling, you're going you're gonna to want to give us a call because uh, we want to get you paid. I'm sure you want to be paid. So call us, 405-735-5510. Jim Harbaugh was supposed to be in Atlanta today to interview with the Falcons for the second time, but apparently he had a long meeting for the second time with the Chargers yesterday, and he's still in L.A. Maybe he'll take that visit some point in Atlanta this week. We'll see. But Michigan's kind of in limbo right now. Travis, I, I think Jim Harbaugh's going to the NFL. That's what I think happens. How much does that impact the national championship race and just the college football season as a whole if I'm right and Harbaugh's off to the NFL? Well, I, I don't think that it directly affects the national title race because of Michigan. Uh, I think the only reason that it would affect it is who do they get to then coach them. So, like – I don't know. Um, throw any coach. It, it, say it's any coach at like a top ten-ish program. Well, Brian Kelly. Okay. Well, LSU's roster now can jump in the portal. Michigan's roster now can jump in the portal. How does that shuffle the deck? 
you know, for everybody else, right? Does that does that mean that Alabama and Kalen DeBoer adds more pieces? Does that mean that Ohio State buys even more players? Does that mean that Texas loads up? Does that mean that Oklahoma gets some guys back? Like, I think that that's how it directly affects it and how that hire would affect the portal because Michigan loses a ton next year, uh, including their quarterback and – I just I think they lose like 16 starters or something like that. This was very much like their year. Like this was the run sure. that they had been putting together. I think this looks a lot like what Oklahoma's 2025 will look like, Tyler. I think it's you know you you're going to have guys you're going to be Jackson Arnold year 3. Like I think that's kind of what that year. That's what Michigan's year was. So, I think if he comes back to Michigan, I don't I wouldn't put him as favorites over like Georgia or anybody. I wouldn't put him over Georgia, Ohio State, um, probably some others. But I, I, so I think that's how it would ultimately affect it. And I'll, I'll say it definitely feels like NFL for me as well. Sam and Edmund says it's going to be Brian Kelly and LSU will be decommit you afterwards. What do you think, John? How big would it be for college football next year? Because Michigan hosts Texas in week two. They'll play Ohio State and they're at Washington as well. How much does that affect things if he's not there? Well, first of all, Sharon Morris, they're likely. I would think so. I, right, so I think they would promote so, from within. So he's the heir apparent, and, and that makes sense. He demonstrated at least an ability to manage games against Penn State, Ohio State, Um was he the coach in the Big Ten championship game, too, or did they have? No, I think Harbaugh was back for that. We didn't demonstrate an ability to do a post-game press conference without dropping a bunch of four-letter well, words, but, yes, he was I mean, good on the field. He played football at Oklahoma, <laughs> I mean, right? right. But um, so I don't know that the, the transfer portal would be the biggest issue um, that it was, like, compared to Alabama when yeah. you lose a Nick Saban and you don't have an heir apparent. And because I feel like Sharon Moore has got that, where the guys are kind of bought in, similar to what you kind of had at Notre Dame. Although, and I don't, I don't know. Maybe Notre Dame lost a lot of guys um, when Jim, when uh, Brian Kelly when Brian left. Kelly left. But they kind of liked the uh, oh, Marcus Freeman, yeah. right? They liked Marcus Freeman. So I think you got that same vibe happening at Michigan. So I don't know it so much as it is transfer portal. I just think to Travis's point, this was Michigan's year. They're going to see a drop off. You're now entering into the big, a uh, 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 more stacked Big Ten where. This for the past three years, you had to beat Penn State and Ohio State. That's who you had to beat. Well, now you've got a really good Oregon team out west um, with a potential Heisman candidate and Dylan Gabriel, plus Ohio State, plus a Washington team that probably should still be pretty good. You would think you that UCLA was gonna you know bring a bring a pretty decent team in. So it's just um, it's the right time for him to leave. And I don't know that it changes next year because I don't know that Michigan was going to be in contention for a playoff spot next year. It's crazy. Like, they didn't want him suspended for the whole, um, you know, the, the whole sign-stealing stuff. But if he does go to the NFL, it, it almost kind of works out perfectly for them th this past year, doesn't it? Because oh, yeah. they win the national championship. But Jim Harbaugh got suspended like six games last year, half the regular season. So that puts Sharon Moore in a situation where he could be the interim head coach for some of those games, including their biggest regular season game. He's proven on that front they're more comfortable hiring from within and continuing that continuity that they have. Like it, it, this could work out working out perfectly for Michigan, which I hate. I don't love that at all. But like Tommy's saying on the text line, Sharon Moore would be retained for some kind of continuity, and I do agree with that. After what's happened at Alabama, you got to take a look at that and say. 
We feel like he can do a really good job. Let's keep the continuity so it's not a complete disaster like it was at Alabama. And surely Michigan's tired of Jim Harbaugh at this point. Like, they t- they'll take the national championship, but he's put them through the ringer with the, I'm going to yeah. stay, I'm going to go, I'm going to stay, I'm going to go. Then I'm sign-stealing. Now I'm suspended. Give me more money, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure, I mean, I don't know. If I'm maybe not Michigan fan, but Michigan administration, I'm like, please get a job. Let's just – just take a job by now. Maybe so. They, they, they would put up with double of that if it meant uh, getting the title. That's I would put up with triple matters. with that if it meant getting yeah. the title. Oh, I, but I'm yeah. on the oh, no, 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 no. I put up with it until he got the title, 100%, mm-hmm. Travis. I would put up with it until I got the title. But once I got the title and I saw what next year was going to look like and I don't have my quarterback and I don't have 16 starters and I'm in a, jacked, uh, a juiced-up league, I, I'm just like, okay, time – Let's we can start to move on. That's just my thoughts. I'll be Connor Stallions if it means a national championship next year Listen, or some dude, point in the near future. They can send me I'll around. They can send me all over, all over. Dream all job, over. Connor Stallions. Jeez. We'll close up hour number one of the, uh, number one of the rush coming up next right here on the ref. David's group bringing you the sour of the rush. If you have an emergency repair at your home or your office building, go check them out. Havensgroup.com. Transfer portal seems like it's about to come to a close for OU, just waiting on Garen Hatchett, the uh, offensive lineman out of Washington. Unless something crazy happens at Michigan or if another job opens up. But, Travis, it just kind of seems like at this point we're waiting for Garen Hatchett of Washington, and once that decision is made, either he comes to OU, goes back to Washington, that, that might be it for this portal cycle for OU potentially. Yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to numbers. And I, and I think this is something – that people need to understand because you see Texas grabbing a ton, you see Ohio State grabbing a ton, you see Ole Miss grabbing a ton, like, and you and you say, hey, I want three more offensive linemen. Give me four. Give me four offensive linemen and two defensive tackles. Give me, you know, whatever, right? We are at 90 scholarships right now. We have to get to 85 by fall camp. So you're going to have to cut like process five dudes and part of the you know the double-edged sword that is following recruiting so closely is you get to know these kids right they're on our show they're on the podcast obviously they're on locked in you know they're they're you know doing more and more stuff in their media five of those guys are not going to be with us in the fall and for each portal ad that you have that's another guy that's going to be gone. So think numbers whenever you are uh, drooling over portal prospects. But give me Hatchet. <laughs> How does your uh, – we got about 20 seconds. How does your buddy feel about Texas portal class? They're on Boomer Bebo podcast. Loves it? Well, yeah, what do you think? Yeah. Between his portal podcast and beating us yesterday, he's on freaking cloud nine. I hope he stays back I'm there. I'm sick of that guy. God bless. Hour number two of The Rush coming up next live from Brown O'Haver.